We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back. Gets up the shot. Banks This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, June 4th, as we are under three weeks away from the NBA draft. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Got J.D. Silva with me. Hello. Got Taylor Peterson. What's up? And we've got Nick Crane. I'm ready for new intro sounders and music about that time we said that so many weeks in a row we actually just didn't do it i forget who it is but somebody's been in the chat um it's like seven or eight shows in a row where they've posted that we need to put j-dub in the uh (laughs) intro graphic uh we'll get justin to work on that i promise we're brought to you by the blue wire podcast network and dailythunder.com thank you guys for listening to the show uh if you are in the chat Shout out to you. Get your questions in. We're going to ask, answer, not ask, answer questions later on in the show. So get all your questions in. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thank you so much. Quick programming note. We will not be live this Wednesday because we're going live on Tuesday instead. We'll be Tuesday. Is it 8 p.m. Central Time? I believe that is correct. Yup. With a special guest on the show. Is it okay if I announce the guest? Are we allowed at this point? Let's keep it secretive. We'll keep it secret. Keep it it's, secret. It's a name that if you follow the draft on Twitter, you will know this person and you will be excited to ask him questions in the chat. Yes. So you'll want to you want to join us live Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time on YouTube. So you can get your uh, draft questions in. It's going to be a great show. We're super excited about it. It's been a long time coming. We've been we've been. Uh, confirmed for a couple of weeks now but just now getting getting it scheduled so it's finally here in a couple of days good yep and at that point we're going to be just about two weeks straight up oh, wait away from the draft can't wait like you uh jacob mentioned this in our 
uncontested slack this morning first thing he put in there like 9 a.m in the morning i said he can't wait for like some of the intel to finally start quote unquote leaking we need that slop i need the slop so bad (laughs) the bassinis the wasserman's we need some juicy intel we need that slop drip get it to me vegas too Vegas is going to be fun. Yeah. Two weeks after. So, speaking of the draft, uh, if you are new to the uncontested within the past like 10 months, 12 months, we go live for every draft. We're going to be hanging out with you guys for the entire first round, breaking down the picks, all the trades, uh, having guests. It's going to be a blast. So, make sure to join us on draft night as well. Um, Okay, gentlemen. Let's dive into some basketball talk. We're going to hit some draft stuff. we got a fun game tonight. But first, we have some Thunder news that we actually haven't talked about on the show yet. Random news drop that our guy, Alexei Pokshevsky, has broken his humorous bone. I don't think there's anything humorous about it, personally. Uh, He will be out the next four to six weeks. Lots of people have a lot of feelings about Poku and this injury. It is a big summer for Poku. He was playing, was, is planning on playing FIBA ball with Serbia. It's also a big year for him as far as the NBA is concerned. He'll be extension eligible this summer with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Setback four to six weeks. Could be back as early as like before the 4th of July at worst by the time we're in summer league. Uh, so it's not like a super long time, uh, but just thoughts, feelings, evaluations about Poku missing some time this summer with a broken arm. I don't have any real thoughts on how this like affects him long term. I'm not sure it does. My first reaction was, I wonder how much of this type of stuff is required by the league to be reported. Because you know, there's there's off season injuries all the time. Like maybe it's not a four to six week type thing, but with you know hundreds of players working out every day in the gym, there's tweaked ankles, there's messed up wrists, there's broken fingers. Um, I almost wonder like if if FIBA wasn't happening, or if you know maybe there was other circumstances going on this summer. If if it was just a summer where Poku was doing nothing and just working out up behind the scenes, we don't hear from him until media day. Is that something that doesn't get reported? Like, is it required to be reported? I don't know how that works with like PR and media and all that kind of stuff. But that was my mm-hmm. first question with Poku. That's a really good point uh, that I hadn't thought about before. Uh, so this is, it's four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Time Is that for, is that a reevaluation or four to six weeks? Reevaluation. Okay. I, I still think he can get a lot out of this summer. I assume he's been oh, working yeah. up to this point. Uh, it's never good in general, as we, as we learned last year to get a, a news drop from PR on the off season in the off season. Uh, so that was tough to see in general. Hope, hope the best for Poku. When I first read it, and uh, I thought it was his leg. And I Googled humorous, not his leg, folks. So if that were the case, I'd be more worried. But it's, I think he'll be, right. he'll be all right. Yeah, you don't need a functional arm to lift leg day. That's all he needs to do right now. Or Gary drink has, milk. Like Gary Matt has Carson. strong he has legs. Tree trunk legs. Hey, he does. Stronger. Mm-hmm. You can always get bigger. Nothing against hitting, hitting some squats. <laughs> Use that Smith bar so you don't have to hold it. I hope it doesn't bring his summer down. He was po- he was Lake posting breast. pics with his shirt off at the pool. Like, hopefully, just keep living that life, Poku, and we'll see. Yeah, you. and apparently, he was in Oklahoma City when he got hurt, though. So my question mm. is, where the hell is that pool in Oklahoma City? 
<laughs> maybe it's like at the Oak Tree Country Club or something. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe he was out of town and flew back in. I don't know. Lots of Thunder fans kind of down, saying like this is the end of Poku. <laughs> I feel like people kind of forget what he was doing early in the season, which was some really, really good stuff. I was thinking a little bit today, and we'll get into some draft stuff here in a second, and uh, the, na- the name Derek Lively will come up. Could Poku just be like the backup center for this team moving forward? Like, is it possible that that could just... I mean, he was playing center. He was guarding yeah. Brooke freaking Lopez in a double OT game. He'll definitely I mean, if center moving forward. If any of the gods exist and they uh, answer my prayers and they bring us Jairus Walker at the four, could Poku just be like the bench five for this team? I mm. He kind of does Chet-like stuff. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if it's a permanent thing. Like, again, I... The Thunder plays such positionless basketball, and that's such a cop-out answer, but it's true. Like, I, I, I think we could see Usman Jang, Poku, Aaron Wiggins, you know, like, fill in the blank. We could have multiple players coming off the bench that could, quote-unquote, be playing that center role. Um, that's a really hard question to answer. I, I'm not necessarily sure he'll be the backup, quote-unquote, center, um, but he'll absolutely be in that backup rotation. I do worry a little bit, though, because like you mentioned, Jacob, this is such a, a quote-unquote big uh, offseason for Poku just because of how stacked the roster is and how many different guys. I mean, again, they, they all play, quote-unquote, the same position. It's Time position, for contract. Positionless basketball. And so, yeah, right, when, when you have the same length, versatility, um, and maybe bring in another uh, – Another player similar to that uh, in this upcoming draft, like you mentioned, Jairus Walker, there's somebody who could play a similar position. It worries me a bit for Poku because regardless if it's going to affect him being fully healthy for the start of training camp, it's certainly going to affect his his off-season training. And so I'm a little concerned, a little more concerned maybe, maybe than you guys are in regards to Poku's off-season just because I think this is really important for him to put a lot of work into uh, on the court. And I just... I don't know. I, I think Poku's falling behind a little bit because of these injuries. So I have a big picture Poku thought. And and a lot of this could be recency bias. Like you're always most excited about a guy when he's like this hypothetical what if scenario. Um, am I crazy to think, and I think this for two reasons. One, because we've seen the Thunder acquire more guys like this. And two, I think the league is just starting to see more guys like this. When, when Oklahoma City drafted Poku, he felt like this really unique unicorn like holy crap like we've never seen a guy with like this skill set and this size and that feels like his skill set's not got as four of them on this roster right right yeah. and, and every year in the draft there's like three more seven footers that can shoot and handle it's just like he doesn't feel as unique anymore he was, he was yeah, the prototype that, that's very fair bit of a prototype on this roster yeah everyone's trying to be poku now yeah everyone else is just poku v2 v3 and so on <laughs> Poku was victory report. It was cool. <laughs> oh, um, Taylor, like I agree with what you're saying, but I think if their plan is to keep Poku and extend him, they're going to keep Poku and extend him. Being out four to six weeks during June isn't going to alter. It's not like they were planning a, a four-year, $40 million offer uh, for an extension, which I'm sure they're already discussing that with his agent. Like if they're discussing extensions, I'm sure those conversations are happening. 
because uh, like a month from right now, you could sign him to that extension. I don't think they were discussing that and then said, oh, he got hurt in, in an in a individual practice at our facility. Nope. Deal's off the table. We're not doing it anymore. You know, like if they're going to extend him, they're going to extend him. How do we know his individual? What if Poku is stepping in for draft workouts? What if him and Jairus oh, Walker were banging down low? Jairus broke his arm. You know? Wow. Conspiracy yeah. son of a bitch. No, I, I wasn't. <laughs> now I'm truly torn. <laughs> about like contract extension or future long term, but like, well, more so future long term than contract extension, I guess. You have Usman Jang. You have players like that who can step up and get somebody. Uh, Kenrich Williams will be coming back, obviously. Aaron Wiggins showing that he, he you're proved that he deserves some playing time this upcoming season. Like, again, they play such a positionless style of basketball. That honestly, at this point, I kind of wonder if, if guys like that deserve some time over Poku in the pecking order if he falls behind this offseason. And that's no fault that's of fair, Poku's but own. Flip side of the coin. Kenrich Williams and Aaron Wiggins are like six five, and we're talking about a guy that's seven foot. Well, we saw Kenrich you know, Williams play small ball center, right? Exactly. But would would you rather have? I mean, this team is all about length and versatility, and and wingspan, and Poku fits that. You know, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, flip side if of the he, coin, Devil's he's advocate able to develop, and that's what worries me. Like, if he's hurt, he's not able to develop and continue to improve, and he's going to. I look what he. I look at what he did at the beginning of last season. I think that development was massive, right? Like when he was, he healthy. was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Henry isn't healthy my, right that's now. That's what worries me. You know, is Taylor yeah. a Poku hater now? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried after this injury. Well, he should probably stop breaking bones. Yeah. Right. Right. And I try to look up an injury history and it's very hard to actually find one. Like the only thing that actually pops up is like this little tiny mini chart uh, from Fox new or uh, from Fox sports. Forward, I mean, obviously the, the knee in April, uh, leg in December, ankle, mm-hmm. which again, and that doesn't really like the ankle in November. That was like a small ankle tweak, and he was back in the lineup before his leg injury. Um, and like a bit, regardless, I'm just getting a little worried. I want my guy to bulk up, have a solid off season, and this is going to set him back. Also, I'm really excited about Usman. I do think it's going to be a very interesting summer for Usman. Depending on who they draft in June, Usman might be the guy I'm looking forward to seeing the most at Summer League. Yes, agreed. Except I think Chet's going to play. So I'm also <laughs> looking forward to seeing Chet. The non-Chet player, I'm with you 100%. See, that's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, like, I'm rooting for Poku, and this this kind of sucks to see. Agreed. Any other big revelations on Alexei Pokashevsky on this June 4th of 2023, <laughs> the year of our Lord? No. Fort Quick Zingas poll. I, I don't no. want a ton of context. I just want answers because I don't want to get down a rabbit hole. Three options with Poku this summer. Extend him. Carry him into the season without an extension. Or trade him. Of those three, which do you think happens this summer? Hmm. I don't think he's getting traded. I don't think he has much value. Um, it's one of those the the team that drafted him and developed him is always gonna be more. Um, I I think if I'm Sam Presti, I'm signing him to an extension this summer. 
uh, you don't want this is going to be a, a hyperbole, but Jalen Brunson, like you'd rather sign the guy when you believe in his upside than before or then then wait until he's already proven. It. Like if poker comes out next year and is incredible, the dollar figure is going to be a little higher. You also need like mid-sized contracts right, at yeah. some point on yeah. this right. team. Good point. It's and like also Lou and oh, Kenrich. Go ahead. It's like Lou and Kenrich right now. Basically, it's and Kenrich's deal isn't very big. No, at all. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. Like you mentioned his value being low in terms of trade value, Nick, but it also is, is fairly maybe uh, low to what you're hoping to Jacob's point, like to what you're hoping he can reach his ceiling, what you're hoping he can reach. Um, you can sign him to a lower extension value and have a pretty valuable contract. If he's able to recover hundred percent from this offseason injury and makes the leaps that we hope to see for him uh, heading into next season. So he's recovering hundred percent from the injury. That doesn't concern yeah. me. I threw out four years, forty million earlier, like ten mil per. With the where the cap is now and where the cap is projected to go, I think that is probably a really good deal. Agreed. I would absolutely do that. You know, and we, in two years, ten million per year is going to be like seven six percent of the salary cap. Like that's nothing. I read you some of the guys that next year are due ten million, like their average contract. Sure. All right, we've got Al Horford, Landry Shamit, Mo Bamba, Larry Nance, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Terrence Mann, Zubak, Maxi Kleber, PJ Tucker, Taylor Horton Tucker, Robert Covington, Nick Batum. Yeah, I think he fits into that. And you got to consider those deals were signed previously with a lower cap. With the cap rising, 10 mil is going to look a lot smaller. To get more or less than Darius Baisley. <laughs> is Darius Baisley getting signed? <laughs> Dude, I don't know if he's going to. I mean, I think he'll get a, a very short term. He didn't he get, any get like a minimum. He didn't get like any minutes with the Suns. Suns. People that I've seen on Twitter, like podcasts and stuff that are tweeting out projected rosters, I'll have basically on there. So he's okay. he's somebody I think the fan base and people that cover the team think will be there at least another year. Transformed under Frank Vogel. The new Do you guys know what he shot from three last year with Oklahoma City? Can I guess 31? Jacob, do you have a guess? I think it's closer to 40. Taylor, do you have a guess? <sighs> I don't want to split the difference like prices right here. Um, I was going to say like 34. Darius Baisley shot 40% with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Ooh, I told you. Jacob mm. nailed it. The other 60% were air balls. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's why I thought it, yeah. <laughs> it was less than that. The misses were bad. I interpreted that as like the misses, like M-I-S-U-S. I was like, why are, you, why are you talking bad about your girlfriend? So <laughs> the missus is bad. She bad. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, time for a Thunder draft update because as we get closer to the NBA draft, like I mentioned, that slop is coming out. We're getting these tidbits <laughs> here and there. I'm clipping that. <laughs> I still think it's unfair that we don't have any Silva clips. He won't clip himself. Coward. Well, there's one, but I don't play it because it's inappropriate. Play it right now. Uh, I don't remember 9-11. <laughs> we have to delete that one. We do. 
Why? He's just a baby. You never remember. I think that's a great one. Never forget. Uh, yeah. uh, multiple mocks have come out recently. Um, and so that means we get new names linked to OKC at 12. So I wanted to run through some of these names with you guys. See what your thoughts are. You ready? ESPN dropped their mock two days ago on Friday. They had Nick Smith Jr. to OKC. Bleacher Report also dropped a new one two days ago. Derek Lively. Nick's own Draft Digest dropped one. Another Derek Lively. USA Today two days ago. Apparently Friday was the mock draft day, and we all just missed the memo. USA Today on Friday, Bilal Koulibaly. And CBS Sports two days ago. Uh, dropped Keontae George at 12. A lot of guards. We dropped ours Friday thinking, yeah. let's get it Friday before everyone does theirs Monday, and then everybody dropped theirs Friday. <laughs> what do you think about the guards, Jacob? Because I, I, would, I would argue, if we were podcasting even a week ago, Keontae George, Nick Smith Jr., and even Koulibaly, who's kind of this guard wing, Like I think we were kind of talking about guards not being, like still draft best available, but... I think everyone was talking Kaysen over all those guys. Has your yeah. opinion changed with these mocks, or do you just take that as, you know, they're slotting guys in, maybe it's not Intel base. Like, what are your thoughts on mocks? Like, uh, when, you, I, when you read these, what goes through your head? It's, I think it's Intel-based as far as what these people making these mocks are hearing about workouts. Maybe not Intel-based as far as what they are hearing specifically about the Thunder. Does that make sense? They're hearing, oh, Derek Lively is impressing people on workouts. He's shooting the ball really well. Let's move him up the board. We'll put him at 12 because I don't think anyone really knows what OKC is going to do. Um, Someone said they heard that Koulibaly has a a promise uh, in the lottery, so it's got to be the Thunder. Um, They said he might have a promise. Like, it's prime smokescreen season, like – it, it looks like Wiz Khalifa's house out there right now. Uh, it's just nothing but smoke. Um, I don't know why people always assume the, the draft promise is OKC. I guess they just have like campaign and Reggie Jackson flashbacks. People just think Presty is like secretive and does stuff like that and reaches. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. my guy Eamon brings up a good point, just like we bought promised Jabari Smith Jr., right? That's true. I- Agree. Like there, there is a lot of overblown OKC promise stuff, but like Pokashevsky, I think we all kind of knew leading up. Um, Porzingis, the year before he actually came out, had a report of Oklahoma City promise. So mm-hmm. while I do think that it's a huge overreaction when you hear there might be a, a promise for Kulabali and everyone saying Thunder, of all the teams, maybe it's just Oklahoma City for us because we, we cover the team, but it does feel like they promise every couple of years. Yeah, I mean, is there dots to connect or not? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you never really know with Oklahoma City. Um, but I think it's mildly intel-based on what they're hearing uh, about workouts. I think these mock drafts are also guys just slotting people in that they think would make sense. Like, Nick may give me pushback on this. I don't see the Nick Smith Jr. one at all. Like that just doesn't feel like it's going to be a thunder thing. And that's something like uh, that's the ESPN mock and Gavoni's had uh, Nick Smith jr. In that range for a long time now. 
that uh, I think you're spot on, Jake. That's more so like I don't think Nick Smith Jr. is going to fall too much in this range. And I have no idea what the Thunder are going to do. So I'm going to keep him right here because you like, like actually read, you know, his uh his whatever, his summary that he has for each mock draft. And there's nothing really linking Nick Smith Jr. and OKC. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I I don't think Nick Smith Jr. makes a lot of sense for this team. I'm still pretty high on him. And I understand why the money has him in this range, but I I think that's all that is. I don't think it's necessarily him linking in a NSJ to OKC. Yeah, it's just drawing lines. It, I think just drawing lines as if it's it's as if it's his big board, but just assigning those names to teams like this. I'm really curious, Nick. Are you like the are you the Derek Lively guy of this podcast? I feel like you are kind of his. You're a supporter. Uh, you're a supporter. I may say I'm not saying he's my guy, but if everybody else here, like on a relative basis, I'm probably higher than him on him than anybody else. Are you high on him specifically, like at 12 for OKC, or just as a prospect? As a prospect, okay. I I think Derek Lively is a guy you could trade back two to seven spots and probably get. That was my reaction with mocks like this coming out and and assigning Lively to OKC. I would almost rather I would be okay with the pick if it was a scenario where they traded in with with some firsts and got him um, in the mid lottery, mid to late lottery like that. I'd be okay with that. Can, can I present a? a theory that I have that I'm starting to pick up on. Maybe this is like everyone's thought about this the whole time. And it's just me just not thinking about it. Um, kind of back to the recency bias thing I talked about earlier. It's really funny how um, these mocks fluctuate in real time based on what players are doing. When UConn went at the championship, it was holy shit. Jordan Hawkins top 10. Is he going to go 12? And now he's mocked in the, the late teens and the twenties. Um, you know, you move on a bit, and then it's like combine and draft workouts. These guys kind of Leonard Miller, Leonard Miller. Now he's falling back down to like nineteen twenty. Koulibaly's playing in the playoffs. All of a sudden, he's. It's like, how much can you really buy the flavor of the month versus like the the firm boards? Because these teams are not are not moving as as significantly as the media outlets are that are that are buying into what they're seeing today. I think the teams have a much uh, more firm, big picture approach to the whole entire body of work. I agree with that completely. At what? I don't want to like totally derail this, but as as far as guys that keep that start rising up in this, um, like a lively in this mock, Leonard going the opposite direction. How early did J Dub start getting rumors that oh he might be a lottery guy? He might be a lottery guy. How early was that? Right. After I don't feel like the lottery talk never a lottery started guy. to like. There were some people saying Cleveland was interested at 14. Yeah. Like maybe a week before the draft. Is that like never, I don't think he was ever a guy that was like, this guy's going the lottery. I don't think he ever got mocked into the lottery. No. I think some people yeah. maybe started to talk about it on podcasts and yeah. mentioned, oh, maybe it could be a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the, the draft combine when he played in the games yeah. when mm-hmm. people were like, he's probably worked himself as a first round pick. I mean, you had to consider anybody that's, that's a firm first round pick is not playing in those combine games. Yeah, true. So that, that tells you like from a data standpoint, he probably wasn't a first round guy by the combine, which mm-hmm. is late May. Um, I remember we were talking the week of the draft on guys that we would like to see in Oklahoma city with the, with the 12th pick. And at that point, Jada was in the, in the late twenties, mid twenties. Like yeah. he, he was never a lottery guy. Mm-hmm. And a pressy and, 
not necessarily admitted that much specifically, but he did mention that J-Dub was somebody who, quote-unquote, came on to their radar late in the draft process, which is, as we all know, very unusual for the Thunder. For example, Kulabali, Victor Wimbanyama, Yon Santacumpo, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, all the international guys is kind of what I'm thinking of because they've scouted these guys for so long, but also all the guys here um, nationally as well. I, it's very unusual for a prospect to quote unquote creep up on the thunder. And it kind of seems like that is what happened with J-Dub. So I, I found that interesting and kind of leads to what you guys are saying. And Nick, this is somebody you've been talking a lot about, but we're seeing a little bit of talk about a, a player who played really well in the combine who is getting workouts with, with players like Jacob, you mentioned pick number 14, that's the Pelicans this season. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, I think they're at like, is it 19? Somewhere in there. Ben Shepard. Out of uh, gosh, why am I going blank? Is Belmont, Belmont. Yep. and we're we're kind of seeing that another guy who had a late growth spurt, uh, bar, ball handling skills. Now seeing him kind of work his way up into that into the first round, and maybe he's a guy we see go in the lottery like that. To your all's point, like it's very interesting to see how these mocks compare to actually, or the the like what the teams actually have on, on their big boards. It's it's the mid major dilemma, like. There's always got Dame Lillard's an example too, where they just Steph Curry, they they dominate their level of competition at college, and until they get in these individual workouts and the combine and like can show, hey, like like we we know Oklahoma City is is well known for bringing in multiple prospects and doing like two on twos, three on threes. It's almost never like these private one on ones. Um, you get a Ben Shepard or a J Dub that comes in and and they're playing against guys that are mocked in the top fifteen and they're dominating. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, he averaged 20 a game on 40% from beyond the arc in this mid-major conference, but then he's dominating these guys. So you start to buy that a bit more, I think is the story there. Definitely. Uh, before we move on, because we have a little more draft intel stuff to talk about, uh, but let's take our first break of the night, and then on the other side, we will dive into some of that. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we are back. Um, So we're kind of talking about these prospects and how they climb up. One that I wanted to mention, people are talking about him in the chat over here. Uh, Friday night, Saturday night, one of the two uh, Grady Dick posts on Snapchat uh, that apparently he is in Oklahoma City doing a workout. Uh, It sounds like he was in Dallas earlier that day working out as well. Uh, Dallas at 10, OKC at 12. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I found it interesting because of this. Grady Dick is mocked anywhere from like 6 to 10, 6 to 11. If I were an agent and I had a client, an NBA draft client working for me, or I was working for, sorry, and they're projected to go in a certain range in the draft, I'm not accepting team workouts for people that are outside of my range, right? Like I think we heard that Scoot was only working out with uh, Portland and Charlotte, and that was going to be it, right? He's not going to work out with anybody else because that's my range, and like his agent wants to ensure that he goes within that range. I just I kind of found it interesting that Grady worked out with the team that has pick 12. Does that mean they think that OKC might trade up to take Grady? Or do they think Grady does Grady's agent feel like his range goes all the way down to 12? Like if you were Grady's agent, where's the cutoff line where if a team calls for an individual workout, you're saying you're out of my range, we're not we're not coming to work out for you. That's bad business for us. I think that keyword is where he's projected. And I think where he's projected, his agent has a much better gauge on where teams view him than the Bleacher Report mock draft. Like that's that's not what his agent's viewing as his range. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's probably a combination of both. I'm sure some teams at six, seven, eight, maybe he's gotten feedback that you know he's he's maybe a guy, but they're not sold on him. Maybe they look at Oklahoma City as a team that could trade up. Um, I think it's a combination of things, but I, I would. I wouldn't, if I was an agent, I would not limit my guy because I don't think that hurts his stock. Like if Grady went and worked out for the team with the 16th pick and I'm the team with the ninth pick, I'm not saying like, hmm, that's weird. Like I don't, I don't view that as a negative per se. Interesting. If, if there, I would say like, I don't, I don't know if this is the perspective of agents, but if there is a team that is quote unquote outside of your projected draft range, wouldn't OKC be the one you would want your guy to work out at since they're so known for being a great spot for young guys as far as development and setting and culture? Do you think that is like it's kind of what Meek League said in our chat here? Do they would they just would they reach a little bit on the projection and the workout standpoint because OKC would just be a great destination for great fit. their young player? And there's that conversation too. There's also the hey, Grady's agent, we have the 16th pick. And we don't think Grady's falling that far, but we really like Grady. 
and we would move up in this draft for a guy like Grady, we want to work him out. If I'm his agent, I'm like, yeah. If you think he's the eighth best player and you'd trade up for the eighth pick, and if you don't trade up, he might go 10th. Yeah. Right. And also, like a player like Grady, who's it, it, there's a difference between him and Scoot, right? Where I, I, I think teams are trying to get as many of those players as possible into their system, into their environment to be able to gain intel. We've heard Preston talk a lot about that, just getting even getting to interview some of these prospects, even if you don't necessarily think you're going to draft them, because later down the line, maybe that's somebody you, you want to trade for. Uh, Victor Oladipo is a perfect example for OKC, somebody they were high on the draft process, end up trading for him later on, um, you know, when he's playing for Orlando. So I think when you're a player like Grady Dick compared to Scoot Henderson, you probably are willing to go to certain teams, even out and franchises outside of your quote unquote draft range because of that very reason. Uh, it could be very beneficial for you, not only in the near term where you're drafted, but also long term. So going to work out for a San Antonio or an OKC Thunder, uh, Dallas Mavericks at 10. Like I think that makes a lot of sense if you're a prospect like Grady. Jacob, I'd flip it on you. If you're Grady's agent and you're sitting there draft night on the at the table next to him and you only worked out the top 10 teams, you, you're confident he's going to go in the top 10. The Mavericks are at pick 10. They trade it. And the New York Knicks have the 10th pick now. They trade back to get their pick um, that they were going to have. Um, and they don't take Grady. And you're like, shit, the best he can go now is 11. We didn't work out for any of the teams after 10. Would you rather have the feeling of I have no clue if any of these teams are going to take Grady because they don't know what he looks like in a private setting. Or would you want, or would you rather have the situation where like he's worked out for all four of these teams? Like one of these four is going to take him. Yeah. I mean the latter, that makes sense. But I think teams like, I, I can't remember. I don't think Jabari Smith jr. Worked out for Houston. Did that's right. That's why I think it's different in the, at the top. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. Um, but I just think of like, somebody's going to take that swing. Like you've done your homework. You've gone and scouted him. Even if you haven't got him like into a private workout or whatever. Um, but yeah, and, and maybe Grady's not the best example of this because the range is farther down the draft board. I just, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Was I, mean, I, I just, it's an interesting conversation. I, I think you're right though. Like, to your original point of like, is it because OKC is rumored to move up? That's absolutely part of it. Like no question in my mind. Grady's Grady's agent has more intel than any reporter out there that's covering the draft. Mm-hmm. Grady's agent knows that Oklahoma City wants to trade up if that's what they're trying to do. I think Matt Clarkson brings up an interesting point here too. He says, also, if I'm Grady's agent, I think OKC has a roster that would fit him the best and I'd want to convince the Thunder to trade up for him. You want your guy to land in a good spot yeah, because when they sign that rookie scale extension, agents get like 5 6% of that pre-tax yeah we're talking a lot about agents um do you all know who grady dick's agent is no do not one bill duffy who has a great relationship with the oklahoma city thunder another duffy <laughs> chad <laughs> j-dub gosh there's a uh, ben others in the past dre um hey he's luca's agent let's just have him trade for luca yeah that's right trade for luca oh my god <laughs> deandre Aiden. isn't it the I mean, duffy brothers the that make stranger things the Duffer, the Duffer brothers. Oh, Duffer. Damn. Come on, I thought you were a real fan. Very close. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Actually, a couple other guys was... real quick. Isn't it John um, Lucas that made Star Wars? <laughs> 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 I 
we we got to talk about the French kid, Bilal Koulibaly, which does have a really dope first name that's close to Belial, which is like the demon lord from Diablo 2, which is just metal <laughs> as hell. If they do draft Bilal Koulibaly, you can bet everything you own that we're going to print some like death metal font Bilal Koulibaly shirts that I'm wearing in the summer league. That would be dope. Nick can probably give us a little more insight on him than the rest the us other three combined. My extensive homework on uh, Koulibaly was listening to a podcast and watching some videos of him today while working out at the gym. Uh, so I'm quite an expert myself, but I'll let Nick take this one over a bit. We kind of mentioned that, oh, is he promised Oklahoma City? He kind of feels like a Toronto guy to me too, like long, lanky, um, overseas. Feels like an Orlando guy to me too. Yeah, uh, you brought up a really good point about taking a swing on him at 11, Nick. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about him for just a moment? Yeah, he's he's interesting because when you when you look at his backstory, it does check Presty boxes. Like he was five foot six at 15 years old. Um, as you can imagine, he was a guard at five foot six, and he had to do a lot of things and learn how to play the game and work the angles and handle the ball, do these things at a as an undersized player. And then he grows to, and this is another fascinating thing about him is like no one actually knows how tall he is. He hasn't been to the combine or been measured. Um, we'll just say six, six six. That's kind of the median of what yeah, I've seen for him. He's likely six eight. He could be. He could be. Um, and I, I I bet teams have worked with his agent and have some kind of measurement that maybe isn't public. And I've seen like seven three wingspan. It's like where'd you get that from? Um, but he he grew a lot, like a foot in three years and kept the guard skills. Um, started out the season with like one of the junior teams in the Mets 92 kind of conglomerative teams, like overseas and in the French leagues, they have these different levels. And it was like the under 21 team. Yep. Yeah, the U21s. Um, he was like one of their better players. Um, was playing a little bit with Mets 92 and Wimby in like December. And like, Four minutes a game, zero minutes a game was just called up, wasn't playing a whole bunch. And then kind of the same time the Thunder flipped that switch at the turn of the calendar year, he just started getting more confidence. Um, to use Jacob's word, it feels like he was a, a caged up dog. And then in January, like the dog <laughs> the came dog out. The dog was unleashed. It was like he, like he, like from <laughs> a confidence standpoint, and like, I'm going to make this move. And I'm like, if you, if you guys watch the game today, he had like nine points in the first quarter. Like he was just yeah. going at people. Um, confident with the ball, making moves, like finishing with power. Um, I think he's a guy that similar to like a J Dub. I think he can run some point guard for you. I don't think he's as much of a natural point guard as J Dub at this point. He can play like the three if he really is six eight. Can probably play the four. He's not super strong today, but he's also got that body type where you could see him like really developing into a like a strong player. He's not this string bean, although he is a lot of limbs, as Jacob would say. Um. I know he, he's he, all arms, man. He all legs too. He fits the thunder mold of the versatility, um, the the late growth spurt, the late bloomer. Kept the guard skills, um, but I'm not using that as a reason to think that the maybe promise that he has is Oklahoma City. But I do think if Oklahoma City drafted him at 12, it would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like he's a guy that that Presti would value. Here's something that I've been thinking about him. He's in the playoffs right now which means he is not conducting workouts 
and interviews with teams. That's interesting to me. Like we were talking about agents and stuff just like with Grady. Silva, if you're a GM of a team and you're watching what this kid is doing over in France and you're liking what you're seeing, you're like, oh, I can see the growth. Like my my scouts tell me they can see the growth. I've sent people over to France to watch him. Are you willing to spend an asset as rich as a top 10, 12, 14 pick on a guy that you haven't brought into your facility and got to sit down face-to-face with and haven't got to see him work out like in your gym? That feels like a risk. It does. It does. And I don't know exactly how the timeline works. Like, is there is there any time for him to meet with teams before the draft? Or is it just... Completely depends on how yeah. the finals... And yeah, so if the finals goes to, I, I think it's like, I, I don't even remember. I think it's six or seven games, just like the NBA. Um, he would literally, him and Wimby would literally be pushing up to the NBA draft. So wow. it would be no time. However, yeah. I think we all have seen what's happened since the COVID pandemic, right? Where, and Jacob knows this better than any of us. Um, as a teacher, I need to teach classes over Zoom. I would not be shocked if Kulabali uh, women Yama, I mean, less likely he's just talking to the Spurs, but cool ball. If he's not been doing some, at least some virtual interviews with teams combined with get, them getting to see him, kind of to what Jacob's getting to is getting to see him in that playoff environment in a very competitive. I mean, I don't know if I should say very competitive, but at least at this point of the season in the French league, a competitive environment and seeing him continue to progress. And so I think it's really important combined with hopefully some virtual interviews interviews that these teams have been able to do, I could see where you feel comfortable going ahead and, and making that quote-unquote promise. Um, also, I think we all should be in agreement. If a team quote-unquote promises a prospect, like maybe they should get like some promise rings, you know, like back in the, in the high school days, uh, all of our, uh, you know, some of our friends had the promise rings. See cool Bali out there in the final as, promise ring. As now a former high school teacher, uh, I'm glad I don't have to see that anymore. <laughs> 16 year old kids promising themselves to each other. I'm like, bro, you didn't have a driver's license yet. Jeez. <laughs> two, two, two points on what Taylor said that I think are important to consider. Um, I think the situation Koulibaly's in benefits teams that do their homework early. Oklahoma city being one of them. He has been on the Presti radar for much longer than January of this year as he's been on kind of draft Twitter's radar, um, especially because he, um, he, like he's a high level French prospect. Like in, in the U S we've got like EYBL and all this kind of stuff. And these big names playing it. He's in all the big things in France. Like he played on the French select team with Sissoko and with uh, repair and with women. Yeah. I mean, like he's, he's a big name in France. So he's been on Presti's radar for a while. Um, he played in this like Euro tour thing against Bronny James last summer and won MVP. So like he's, he's a guy that teams have known about for a while. And I think teams that really do their homework, like the thunder are probably fine more than others that don't taking a swing on a guy that is playing in the playoffs till potentially like the week before the draft. And it's it, the Raptors fall in that same category. We know how Masai is, is very involved internationally in terms of of expanding the NBA game, but also scouting. Um, and I found it interesting. Again, this report comes from Wasserman, who was on a, a Jonathan Wasserman, a, a Bleacher Report, who was on a podcast. And he mentioned the Thunder, like, you know, could be an interesting 
scheme, but when he was talking about Cool Bali actually getting a promise, he it, that was his response to a question being asked about the Toronto Raptors. And so, again, uh, I, to all, all of your guys' points, and I think Jacob mentioned this originally, like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Thunder. There's nothing concrete there linking the Thunder to Cole Bali as much as we, quote-unquote, have heard, it's been reported that he has a top 14 promise, and therefore that, you know, the Thunder at, are at 12, he fits the Thunder, quote-unquote, mold, and uh, the Thunder have promised people in the past. Um, I think it, it could easily be the Raptors as well. Um, quick off topic point, Taylor, I love you, but whoever had the over under on 15 and a half quote unquote from Taylor tonight, <laughs> uh, you've cashed out. Boom. Um, <laughs> I had a follow up and I can't remember what it was now. Uh, he's an cool interesting kid. Raptors. He's an interesting kid. Yeah. Um, did Usman Jang work out with teams? I think the NBL was done. Yeah, by the time and he and came they were over. not they were not good the breakers were not good yeah hmm. so i i think uh he came over and um probably did some workouts but he, he was even doing stuff like like individual stuff that the uh the, the uh gavonis and and those kind of people were taking videos of and he was definitely over here i um i remember what my point was nick had brought this up to me the other day and i thought it was a, a really good point nick Orlando has six and 11. If you get your guy at six, 11 is like a just throw the dart and see where the hell it lands type of pick. That would make a lot of sense for Koulibaly as well. Yeah, true. 100%. Just, just, I don't care what the pitch is. I'm just, I'm swinging for the fences type of thing. Yeah. A um, couple other things I wanted to head on real quick. Uh, maybe we move a, a bit faster through these because we still have the game to get to before we get out of the show tonight. Um, the Derek Lively. Mocks. That's two teams now, or two mocks now that have mocked Derek Lively at twelve to OKC. Regardless of the intel and stuff, I just kind of want to pick your guys' brains about that fit. I will be honest; I don't see it. Derek Lively is a hell of a shot blocker. He's showing some shooting chops in one-on-zero workouts, and he did shoot the ball in high school. I see him as a guy that plays like exclusively drop coverage and, and isn't super versatile defensively. Um, I think the Thunder want to play Chet at their center full time. Uh, Taylor mentioned it earlier. They played freaking Kenrich Williams at center for long stretches of the year this season. Maybe they surprise me and do it. I just personally do not see them taking a center uh, at 12. And I don't see them moving back to take a center, but that's just me personally. I wanted to get your guys' quick 20 to 30 second thought on Lively. Yeah, it would be like I mentioned earlier. If if they were to like quote like buy a draft pick with with several picks, two picks later in the lottery, later in the first round, and get lively, I'd be cool with that. I would not be cool with taking him at 12. I'll let Nick spend the majority talking about lively. Um, just because he was a highly recruited high school prospect, the number one in his class coming into the Duke, Duke season. But to Jacob's point, I agree 110%. There's no playmaking there. Like I, Again, I think it's a fit on paper, just like Taylor Hendricks is a fit on paper uh, that people on the outside of the organization are kind of like fitting, trying to fit in to the Thunder roster. Like It makes sense, but it's not what the Thunder are actually building towards. So I, I failed to see it as well. 
Um, but I know Nick knows a lot about him as a prospect, even prior to his years or his his one year at Duke. No, I mean you guys have have been spot on who he is as a prospect. I think it just comes down to what do the Thunder view Chet Holmgren as? Like if if Sam Presti had a press conference tomorrow and said we actually kind of like the idea of Chet playing four, then that maybe that changes everything. But we don't know that. Um, if they did draft lively, I think that might give us the insight we're looking for on that front. Um, the same questions are going to be with Wimby. Like if you watched Wimby today or any other day, a lot of times he's not even guarding the center. Like they've got him guarding the the small forward in the corner defensively. Mm-hmm. And then he got another guy guarding the true big. Um, so those questions are going to be interesting for San Antonio too. It's like, do you want another big next to Wimby? Um, I think we're, we're going to learn with time. And maybe that's why it's too early to draft a lively. Maybe give two, Chet two years to try to run the five and see how he is. And maybe you do draft a five or pick up a, a true five later on. But um, I don't think we have enough information on how the Thunder view Chet and what position he's going to play on, on either end. Because there could be two different positions. You could play five on offense and four on defense. Um, I don't know. It's I, I don't think it's the best fit. But if they drafted him on draft night, Presti's been right more than I have by a lot. Yep. My last thing on Lively. Nick, I think you hit it on the head. Try Chet at the five. See what you got. Worst case scenario, you can go find a big center who can block some shots and is willing to experiment with shooting threes for less assets than the 12th overall pick. Agreed. And, and like agree. that's, not, that's not hard to go find in the NBA. You can go find somebody to do that. Maybe not at Let's say Lively ends up being really good. Maybe it's at 85% of what Lively does, but you can get it for a player that is no longer in your rotation and like a super protected first or something compared to spending pick 12 on it. Well, there's 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 always multiple bigs taken like 14 to 20 every year. Yeah. And they have go get one in two years. Billion picks, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Use use the random pick you have from random team XYZ at pick seventeen in two years. There's big guys in the league are a dime a dozen. Uh, you can go get one when you need one. I don't see them doing that now. Uh, let's talk Leonard Miller, who apparently uh, is sliding a little bit down draft boards. We're seeing him closer to the twenties now. Uh, do you guys think he is just like out of play for the lottery, out of play for the Thunder? Would he be a trade back guy? Or would we be shocked at this point if they took him at 12? I'm not sure what's causing him. Like what has happened in the last week or two to cause him to slip? I, I don't know what has changed necessarily. I think it's that that's that recency bias. He dropped yeah. out of scrimmages late at the combine. And then all of a sudden, everybody slid him up six spots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should they I have? wonder? Maybe not. He's probably Nick. You mentioned getting into individual workouts and maybe not proving as much. Nick and I actually had a really interesting conversation earlier today about what Koulibaly is doing in the French league. Like the G League is way better than the French league. So Leonard Miller's going up against way better competition and an NBA three point line. And so that, there's these interesting things to weigh that I don't. I think even teams don't really know until you get that guy in your building. I did. I did. I don't remember who said it or where I heard it or read it. I could have sworn. I saw something this week that said teams were not as impressed with his feel. Yeah. As they were expecting. Which I wonder how you evaluate that in a workout though. Like 
unless you're running him like four on four or five on five. That feels like a very specific source. Um, yeah, coming from one team. Hey, it's slop season, like you said. Right. right. Give me that slop. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see a Leonard Miller go anywhere from 12 to 20 um, for that very reason, like you guys mentioned. He's not getting past the Brooklyn back-to-back picks. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think I had one more on here I wanted to talk about. Kaysen? Yeah, Kaysen Wallace. You're seeing Gavoni him fall to him. like... That's Gavoni. I don't believe that. One oh, I've seen a lot of mocks with him not in the lottery, which surprises me. I oh, like him a lot. Me. Am I crazy here? No, not at all. Crazy I mean, about what? Like if he if he's at twelve, I'm really, really, really considering taking him at twelve. Oh yeah, as you should. So it, it just surprises me that he's sliding down mock drafts a little bit. He hadn't played. I still think- how many months? It's 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 recency stuff. I'm telling you, one yeah, guy gets bumped some... in the lottery. One guy gets bumped out. And some teams could throw smoke out there. Oh, we we really weren't that high on Case Wallace, hoping to be able to get him to wherever they're picking. I would be shocked to see him fall to the Thunder, even or to be available at the Thunder picking at twelve. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Really, but I would be surprised if he fell past like sixteen, which we've seen in some mocks recently. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if he gets to 13, he's like tailor-made for Toronto. Yeah, he is. I take Fred Van Vliet probably going out yeah. the door. Yep. That's a great match. And if he falls to 13, you'd have to assume one of Nick Smith or Keontae George is falling at least four or five more spots. Or were they picked ahead of Kaysen, which is why he's falling. That's kind of what I'm wondering. It definitely could I mean, I think Washington I should take him like, at eight. I still like Nick Smith Jr. and Keontae, but not necessarily for the Thunder. Yeah, no Washington at eight. Case and Wallace, that makes a lot of sense if Anthony Black's off the board. I love when Jacob says he doesn't like Keontae George, but then raves about Jamal Murray. Gavoni's mock uh, mentioned that rival GMs uh, see the Thunder as a team really pushing to try to move up. With all the future draft picks they have and limited roster space, we've talked about the roster crunch a billion times. We're not going to do that again. Just find it interesting. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in athletic beat reporters writing about fake trades for their team after <laughs> Kelly Iko dropped that abomination of those Houston trades. That <laughs> yeah, bartender, give me whatever he's having, please. Those were insane. <laughs> But um, that's what happens in the other you, uh, direction. You cover the Rockets. Yeah, he was like, to... "I'll trade four and three guys and a future first to get Cam Johnson." Yeah, Ugh. you'd expect it to be like, like, "Bro, Houston isn't Cam Homer-ish. Johnson like thirty-seven? Like, what are we doing here?" <laughs> and he's a restricted free agent, restricted so you cannot agent. trade for him. Like, all of Houston wants to win now by any means necessary. I I listened to that podcast with Kelly Iko, and all I could think the entire time I was listening to it was Sam Presti has a Cuban cigar and a glass of bourbon and is listening to this just cackling his ass off. You want to talk about how to completely derail a rebuild and just jam your head up your ass and run a team. That's what the Houston Rockets are doing. Like, my God. Anyways, uh, James Edwards of The Athletic 
that covers the Detroit Pistons mentioned like 12 and like two future firsts for OKC to move up to five. Lay if it the, on me. If Detroit's willing to play ball and OKC has to take back Boyan to like open up oh, cap yeah. space for Detroit. I mean, I'm doing 12 and three future firsts. It'll get me to five. Hey, Boyan can stand in the dang corner and shoot. Hey, shoot the Boyan would be, the ball. he would be lights <laughs> out in Oklahoma City. Yes. Yeah. He's old as shit. I know. But hey, I'll eat this. What are they going to do with that salary this summer? They're not going to sign a free agent. Throw it at Grant Williams, baby. I'm kind of into you that. But I'm I not know. into that after they trade up to five and get Jairus. So. I agree. I, I love that idea. If Detroit would be into it, I feel like there's too much upside there for uh, Weaver to, to pass up. Weaver can't help himself. He wants one of the Thompson twins or Cam, which I don't blame. I asked a few people that are Pistons fans and cover the team what they thought of those or that specific trade. They said they would only do it if the picks were like unprotected or top three protected. Well, yeah. fans, so of course, are going to say that. Well, yeah. I mean, just like we're saying, yeah, it's a great trade. Let's yeah, do it. I know. You know? <laughs> yeah. My top thought on protected. it, my thought on it is it maybe it's the best of both worlds for Detroit. You break that asset up into like three or four assets. You still get a pick in this draft. You can trade a future first to go get a win now guy. And then you still have some stuff in the coffers moving forward because Detroit owes out a protected first for like four years. That really limits what they can trade moving forward because you don't know if the pick's going to convey or not. So the Stepien rule gets really messy. Um, I don't know if I could trade 12, a future Thunder, like top four protected pick, um, next year's Houston pick, and like that Miami pick to get to five. I'd do it. Like I'd pull the trigger, but you guys also know that um, I might cut off my left foot for Jairus Walker at this point. So, would you if they if they draft Jairus Walker? Would you be willing to do that? No. Tune into our la- our live draft. <laughs> Turn on our live show as Jacob uh, takes a hacksaw to his left ankle. Oh my God! No, I definitely go chainsaw. I want to go hacksaw. Meek Leak makes a really good point here. Imagine going dead last in the league, dropping to five, and then trading back to twelve. <laughs> How sad would you be as a Pistons fan? And the whole city of point. Detroit would be on suicide watch if they're not already. Oh my God. All right, let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to play a quick draft game before we get out of here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are back. All right. Going to play a game kind of similar to what Nick did uh, with his blind draft evaluations a few weeks ago. If you missed that podcast, highly suggest you go back and listen to it. It was a great show. Uh, I had multiple people reach out to me and tell me how cool that one was. And unfortunately I had to pass all the praise on to Nick. Uh, it wasn't my idea. So <laughs> tonight is also not my idea. My guy over here in the chat, Carrie, uh, shot me a text today 
um, not meaning to give me a podcast idea, but gave me a podcast idea. Are you about to talk about Mitchich? Hell no. <laughs> I'm going to kick you out of the stream right now. Would Nick. you rather Mitchich edition? I have pulled up right here in front of me where you guys can't see. Come on. 10 Thunder players. Not necessarily their own draft picks, although most of them are. And I have some notes, either from ESPN or from The Athletic or from wherever, of their draft night strengths and weaknesses. I am going to read you three to four little bullet points. And I want to see if you guys can guess who the Thunder player is. Okay? So this goes back like nine to ten years. So I've got a big span. I'm going to read you the notes of this guy on draft night. And we guess the player. You guys have to guess who the player is. Awesome. Easy enough. And then we can talk. I I don't want to spend a a real long time, but we can talk just a little bit about were those draft night evaluations accurate or inaccurate. You ready? Yeah. Ready. Maybe my favorite one. (laughs) Flashes demonstrating explosive... Flat, that is worded weird. <laughs> Flashes slash demonstrates explosive attacking ex- explosiveness. Jesus Christ. Apparently I can't type. <laughs> Flashes explosiveness attacking defenders, but a very rudimentary ball handler at this stage. Sounds thundery. Jump shot is the basis of his game. Elevates high off the ground. Quick release. Always on balance and shoots it the same way every time. Defense has been a mixed bag. Narrow frame is a hindrance. He plays competitive, but he gets pushed around. Which Thunder draft pick is this? And it was the Thunder drafted this player. I will tell you, yes, the Thunder did draft this guy. Are we talking players on the current roster or like no, 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 no? no. Th- this oh. goes back. Th- this oh, I, I went back to 2014. Oh, and these guys could have either been okay. drafted by the Thunder or played for the Thunder. One of the two. Can you say that first part one more time? Mm-hmm. Like the... uh, flashed explosiveness attacking defenders, but very rudimentary ball handler at this stage. Okay. Jump shot, the basis of his game, elevates high off the ground, quick release, always on balance, shoots it the same way every oh, time. It's tough. It's Terrence Ferguson. It is Terrence Ferguson. Whoa. Look at you, well Nick. Done, Nick. Look at him Whoa. go. Man. I would not have gotten that. That's, very good. Um, that's accurate. That's a, that's a good. That is. So did that draft night um, evaluation live up? Kind of. Yeah. Um, you could say that. He's explosive. He, he, he had a very explosive. He had a consistent, like his, his jumper was consistent. Did it consistently go in? Go in? No. Yeah. But that's what, that's what teams look for is like, are the mechanics the same? And no matter if he's, you know, catch and shoot, pull up, you know, fade, is, is the mechanics consistent? I'd say yes with Ferguson. He had a, he had a good looking shot. All right. Next one. Who you ready? was that? Jacob, um, who who wrote that? Was that ESPN? Oh, no, I can't remember where I got that one from. I can't oh, give him credit. Okay. I can't remember. That's okay. Next one. All... Good physical profile for a wing slash combo forward. Improved his frame. Smooth, fluid athlete who is quick off his feet. Plays above the rim effortlessly. Has big shoulders and a solid base, giving him plenty of room to continue to fill out his frame and reach physical maturation. Projects as a multi-positional defender who can check guards, wings, and forwards alike. 
sits down in a stance, covers ground fluidly, makes plays getting into the passing lanes and contesting shots, has the size and length to defend big men once his body fills out, plays with solid energy. Feel for the game is a work in progress on both ends of the floor. Can be mistake prone. Will need plenty of time, patience, and development. I think I know who this is. I'll let one of you guys guess, though. He was, I think he was drafted in 2014, the year that Jacob went back to. That's kind of what I was thinking. Too. So Sean actually mentioned this in the chat. Um, oh, when was when was Andre drafted? It's not Andre. No, that's okay. a, that's too far back. I'm torn. Actually, there's some good answers here in the chat, and I'm not sure which one I want to go with. Yeah, I mean, I'm going Houston with Houston Baisley. It is Darius Baisley. Wow. It is Baisley. Okay, well done. Marcus. Uh, the feel for the game should have gave it away, folks. Yeah. Can you read it? not feel for the game either. He had it as well. Yeah. That's funny. Man. I w- was going to say something. I would give away one of them. I'm going to hold on to it till later. Okay. <laughs> I'm not good at this. Next one. Soft touch from all over the floor. Shot over 40% from three last season. Deep range. Ranked in the 90th percentile on pull-ups last season. Feathery floaters from inside the yard. Combination of handle, range, and touch on floaters makes him a threat to score at all three levels uh, and in the pick and roll. Finesse over over physicality style of player. Struggles in a crowd at times. Will settle for touch shots or pull-ups when he has an opportunity to attack or get into the body of a defender. Actually, that could be campaign or Trey Man. I was going to say, that feels like Trey. That feels like the first one I thought of. This is Trey. Yeah. Okay. Is is that far off from campaign? What he probably. No, probably not. Do you guys agree with this one? Oh, definitely. Does this still hold up? Yeah. Yeah. I agree so as well. Very, he loves, and hey, that floater is good too. It is. All right. Next one. It's going to be interesting to see if you guys get this one. Despite lack of explosiveness, he is terrific around the rim thanks to good hands and finishing instincts. Unselfish passer with great vision. Even if he fails to blossom as a scorer, his energy and toughness should still hold in the NBA. Lacks exciting athleticism and length, doesn't bounce off the floor high, and has a bad wingspan questions if he will be able to get enough separation on offense is this guy like cannabis this... <laughs> no that's the one i was going to mention earlier i does did not bowl? mention here does is he it, like bowling it, i mean is it josh <laughs> i was gonna not say josh. josh that was my first thought too sola um nate not great wingspan good feel for the game Terrific around the rim, thanks to good hands and finishing instincts. Read that one again, like top to bottom. Okay. Despite lack of explosiveness, he is terrific around the rim, thanks to good hands and finishing instincts. Unselfish passer with great vision. Even if he... Nope. Really? Even if he fails to blossom as a scorer, his energy and toughness should still hold true in the NBA. Lacks exciting athleticism. Oh, and God. Dakari Johnson? No! (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't bounce off the floor high, has a bad wingspan. Questions if he will be able to get enough separation on offense. I will tell you this pre-draft analysis is spot freaking on. And this guy is good. Like good, good. He was drafted by and still plays for the Thunder? 
does not still play. It is Domantis Sabonis. Yes. Oh, oh. We're, we're doing guys that are on the... Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. I feel like that is spot on. It is. Yeah, that is still. spot on. Still. He's more athletic than I think that... It was that the touch and around the rim, but, but yeah. not athletic explosiveness. I, uh, yeah. Another can see that. fun one. I'm going to see if you guys can get. Smooth operator with good wingspan can subtly score in a variety of ways. Gets a fair share of points by being a good cutter to open spots on the floor, showing his on-court awareness. Solid player, but not particularly outstanding in any aspect. Lacks a degree of explosiveness. Doesn't always show great shot selection. Plays to the level of competition, being inconsistent from game to game. Aaron what Wiggins? position does this guy play? It's Aaron Wiggins. Yeah, yeah I, I, it, the I was wondering about this. What what got me? Mm-hmm. You guys feel like this one's on on point? I, I not necessarily. I, I the no. first part was. I feel like he's outperformed part, a lot of this. Yeah, and, it was and, like it doesn't match him, but I still got him right away. <laughs> it was the cutting so that was so like this. Like, yeah, he was that's the first exactly what I was thinking. Of. It seemed like maybe he had the ball in his hands a little more in college, which is what led to this analysis compared to the role he's played for OKC. You ready for the next one? As ready as I can be. Not a good defender, but shows terrific instincts as a rebounder and ball thief. I like that term, ball thief. Ball thief. (laughs) Not the most prolific or efficient scorer at this point. Um, has a middling 51% true shooting percentage, lacks a degree of strength, explosiveness, and physicality, separating from defenders and finishing around the basket in one-on-one situations. This one is interesting. Apathetic defender who was taken advantage of consistently by high-level competition he faced this past season, has great size, but just an even wingspan struggles to get through screens and gets blown by off the dribble due to his thin frame, high center of gravity, and lack of high-end quickness. Poku? Not Poku. Is this guy drafted by the Thunder? Is it a white man? Yes. Is it Josh? (laughs) This is Josh. Oh. Apathetic defender. This was Gavoni. Really? Read it again. Now let me know it's Josh. Read it again. Not a good defender, but shows terrific instincts as a rebound and ball thief. Not the most prolific or efficient scorer. Um, 51% true shooting percentage. Lacks a degree of strength, explosiveness, and physicality. uh, Separating from defenders and finishing around the basket in one-on-one situations. That was maybe fair in NBL. I feel like he is very physical at the rim now. Agreed. He's grown into that a lot. He sucks at everything. Apathetic defender who was taken advantage of consistently by high-level competition he faced, has great size, but just an even wingspan, struggles to get through screens and gets blown by off the dribble due to his thin frame, high center of gravity, and lack of high-end quickness. Thin frame? That's so weird. This is like, this is that meme. I'm not a huge Gaboni fan. I never have been. You guys know the meme of Josh where it says weaknesses, ball handling, shot creation, and assertiveness. That's that's, that's DeAndre. That's hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like this one was off. Agreed yeah. completely. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. He also I has next to the junior comp to OKC at 12 for Wedsworth. So maybe my favorite one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. Yeah. Polished ball screen player, split screens instinctually, good pace as a facilitator, can pass or finish with either hand, 
crafting around the rim, improved standstill shooter. How will he score in the half court? Slow, flat-footed pull-up that's easy to contest. Not always the defender he could be. Reaches rather than contains. Level of toughness is inconsistent. S-G-A. Really? How will he score in the half court? Let me tell you, by being the most crafty son of a bitch in the game, Donovan Mitchell says he's got a deeper bag than Luka. Yeah. This one was fascinating to me. Is a polished ball screen player. Can't split screens very good. Yeah. Has nice pace. Is ambidextrous. Crafty around the rim. I think the rest of that is way off, though. Agreed. If anything, this should teach us a lesson. We've talked about it multiple times on this show. Just because a guy is high or low on media boards or that your favorite analyst thinks one way or the other does not mean that it's a reach or a guy fell because NBA boards are very different. Yep. Totally agree. This is the one that Carrie sent me, by the way. Yes, All right, I got Carrie. Mention that too. I got three more. You ready? Yeah. Ready. This is a skilled and versatile offensive player can make three pointers running off screens or pulling up off the dribble, takes defensive rebounds coast to coast, attacks closeout with either hands, can play pick and roll and pass off a live dribble. Effective rebounder who gets in passing lanes and rotates impressively to protect the rim. Has struggled to put the ball in the basket efficiently for much of his career. Uh, 40% two-point and 32% three-point shooter last season. Shows impressive shot-making prowess at times, but lacks consistency. Is that Chet? Mm. Not Chet. It's not J-Dub. Not Mm-mm. J-Dub. J-Dub was like close to 40% senior or last year of college. Oh, I don't want to just keep throwing out J's, but... It doesn't feel like Jay Will. Jay Will was not navigating pick and roll. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> good point. No. I felt like this one Blue? stuck out like a sore thumb. Let me hit some of the highlights again. Skilled and versatile offensive player. Takes defensive rebounds coast to coast. Effective rebounder who gets in international lanes and it... rotates impressively to protect the rim. It's the international. Let me ask Poku? you again. Is it, it a white is man? Po- so this one's Poku. Poku. <laughs> yeah. It is Poku. Yeah, I should have thought about the coast-to-coast rebound thing more. Nick, looks like it's about to rain. <laughs> <laughs> Not south of Dallas. We're good. Two more. High field passer and score out of the pick and roll. Three-level potential. Some flashes of pull-up scoring and very dynamic with the ball in his hands. Absurd wingspan allows uh, him to play bigger than he is. Stop where you're going. We know who that one is. Let me finish giving you the scouting report just to see oh, if you agree. I'm about to bust. <laughs> Good finisher at the rim, due in part to his lanky arms. Disruptive defender. Upright and disengaged on D sometimes. Struggles with physicality. Plenty of teams choose to go underneath pick and rolls against him. Not sure how far his range extends. Let me tell you, it extends to the point where he's second in rookie of the year voting. <laughs> Did they say, is, this, uh, is this Victor Wominama? I thought this one was interesting. I think some of this is off. 
Last one. Defensive upside and activity linked to unique physical tools. If he adds strength, adds strength, he can guard one through four. Natural passer and playmaker versus high volume scorer. Great feel in the pick and roll. Understands rotations. Has frame to add more weight. Shies away from contact in 1v1 defense. Opts for floaters versus being aggressive at the rim. I haven't said that a lot this season. Only shot 39% from the field this year. Super raw, tantalizing flashes, but don't put the cart ahead of the horse. That is spot on Usman Jang. Yep. 100%. Yep. I was going to say, I don't know if I'd want him guarding ones, but I could see it. Not Mitch. <laughs> I thought those were pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I felt like some of them were on, some of them were very off, uh, but fascinating nonetheless. A lot of them, I feel like, just fun. come down to the person that, and the, the person and their work ethic and their their willingness to improve. I, ultimately, is a, is a deciding factor in a lot of these things. That's why Sam Presti says they draft people, not players. Banger, <laughs> aka, go get Jarris. <laughs> Any thoughts before we get out of here, guys? That was a lot of fun. It was. I think, like Nick says, you can't put too much stock into consensus um, we don't know what these guys are going to be they're kids right. so it, th- all that sam said them. when we put out a hypothetical poll about which which guy would you like to see on the thunder at 12 don't reply and say the mocks have him at 19 that would be a reach <laughs> that's what the lesson of this one was the thunder got screwed all right silva let's play that music Thank you guys for tuning in the show tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. We had a blast. Shout out to everyone in the chat hanging out. Uh, the chat's a little wild. I love it. That's what I'm here for. Remember, Tuesday this week, not Wednesday, 8 p.m., not 9 p.m. We're throwing it all kinds of off. We'll tweet out. We'll post on social media. Tuesday, 8 p.m., come join us with our draft guest. We got some fun exercises we will do talking all things 2023 NBA draft as it's coming up rather quickly. You guys have a great beginning of your week. We will be with you again here in about 48 hours. Until then, and as always, Thunder Up.